Hello, beautiful genius, and welcome back to another episode. I'm super excited to share this conversation with you today. I had the pleasure of sitting down with Miranda Lynn Byers. She is the founder of TheEmergingSoul.com. She works with individuals who have chosen psychedelics as their form of medicine for mental health and healing. And we sat down and had a conversation about ending the stigma, specifically around women and mothers using psychedelics for their mental health. In this conversation, Miranda shares her powerful story of transformation and how these medicines have helped her to transform her, not just her mental health, but her entire life. And I know that if you sit and you listen to the end, if you're somebody who's been curious about psychedelics, if you're, if you're somebody who's been curious about alternatives to pharmaceutical medication for your mental health, you are going to love this conversation. So I hope you enjoy it. If you get to the end and you loved the episode, please consider sharing with somebody who you love and who you care about because we need to spread this information out. More and more people need to understand that psychedelics are not drugs. They are medicine. They are ancient sacred medicine that has been around for thousands and thousands of years that have been used by civilizations for a very, very long time. And if they're, if they're intentionally used, they're very safe. So we need to spread this information. We need to bring awareness and we need to open the minds and the hearts of people because people, not just in our country of the United States, but across the world, they need these substances right now more than ever before. We have suicide rates that are at an all-time high. We have depression that are, is at an all-time high. We have all different, so many different mental health issues that are just going the numbers are crazy, right? You already know this, but we need to get this information out and we do it step by step, one person at a time by sharing and informing people about the truth about them, right? So I hope you enjoy the episode. Thank you so much for tuning in. Enjoy. Just merge right in, you know, we'll emerge right, right into your story. You know, tell us for those who have, maybe they don't know who you are. Um, just let us know a little bit about you, what it is, how you describe what it is that you do and then how did you come to discover the world of psychedelic medicine and what it's done for you personally? Sure, I'd love to share. So first of all, uh, again, my name is Miranda Byers. I am a psychedelic support facilitator. I also am a Reiki practitioner, certified life coach, certified transformation nutrition specialist. Um, and I've certainly gathered other certifications along the way over the course of my um, personal healing journey and my journey as someone who is supporting other people. Um, how I found my way here is like many of us do on this on this path of supporting other people. As I mentioned a few minutes ago, it's, you know, I hit my rock bottom, quite frankly. I, like many people, had had a childhood that, um, you know, left me with some things and and, you know, no blame on anybody there by all means. The reality of it is when we're kids, we, we don't realize we're watching our parents grow up. And sometimes that has implications. And, you know, the friends that we choose have implications. And I certainly did not um, value myself in ways that may have benefited me um, in the moment. So I did find myself attached to some unhealthy friendships and looking for love really in all the wrong places and then of course left um, you know uh, trauma of its own and and didn't really leave me with very good uh, emotional intelligence and 
and coping skills with with relationships and things like that. And, um, you know, I had my first son. Uh, I, I met my husband when I when we were I was I was he's older than I am. I was 16 when we met. Um, and it was really kind of an on again, off again thing. And we had our first child um, shortly after I turned 22. I definitely dealt with postpartum depression after that and played with um, what they referred to at that point as happy pills, right? Um, they never quite made me happy. Um, so I never really stuck with them, um, you know, for, for a real long time, I'd get frustrated with the game of trying to find the right one. And, you know, then we tried having um, another child and it took us, took us, you know, five years, so to really about five years before we did have, um, we had about five years of infertility, I should say, of fertility issues. And that created a lot of dis-ease in every aspect of my life. You know, literally every aspect of my life was, was impacted by um, me trying to do what I seen as one of the most simple things a human can do and, you know, just reproduce, right? And uh, so that left a lot of dis-ease. And at this point, my body was holding all of this emotional and mental dis-ease and it was very much manifesting into physical dis-ease um, which was a, a undiagnosed a back pain uh, I started in my early 20s and uh, late 30s I was diagnosed with ankylosing spondylitis which is an autoimmune disease that uh, attacks like the spine and small joints ribs and things like that sometimes organs um, but where all this left me was um, you know, really depending on, on Western medicine. And, you know, I find that I finally did have uh, a second child and things were good for a minute. And then postpartum depression kicked in and I fostered uh, my nephew for six months and, and that did not support my mental wellness. Um, although I, I was so, I'm so grateful that I was able to support in that way. Um, we had decided that two, two kids was enough um, that once my nephew went home, you know, we were done, but we would, we would not have any more children. And the day after my nephew went home, I found out I was pregnant with number three, um, which left me in some interesting spaces, right? And um, I now understand that number three is my spirit guide manifest into physical form because I was not getting the idea any other way. So this child is literally a spirit guide walking um, hand in hand with me. Um, yeah, postpartum depression really kicked in there. Pharmaceuticals started adding up um, to, to just kind of move forward a little bit quicker here. I found myself on uh, six different pharmaceuticals. Um, I was on uh, a high dose of Norco for pain. I was on muscle relaxers, Motrin for inflammation. I was on antidepressants. I was on Xanax and I was on 90 to 120 milligrams of Adderall a day. And this was the concoction that um, my doctor had given me, I'm taking everything as prescribed. I was a fucking nutcase, excuse my language. Um, but the, these substances, um, knowing what I know now, I should have never been on all of them. Um, but how they were impacting me was uh, really creating this energetic rage in my solar plexus and in my heart and my throat. And the only way I knew how to release any of that pressure um, now, mind you, I knew nothing really about chakras at this point. I just knew there was a pressure and that needed to be relieved. And that was through rage. 
And so I was um, verbally and emotionally abusing the people that I love the most, which are my three boys and my husband. And I was not okay with that. Um, and yeah, I, although I was, there was a part of me very aware and very much witnessing it. I had also done everything that we were taught to do. I went to the doctor, I took the pills, I went to the counselors, listened to their bullshit that had nothing to do with what I really needed support with. Um, and I didn't know what else to do at that point. You know, nobody, there was no guidance there otherwise. So at that, I, I'm, I'm pretty versed in psychology. I always have been. I knew the trauma that I was inflicting on my kids and I knew that I did not want to continue that. So I came to the point where I had two choices in my mind. Um, one choice was to continue on as we were and to hope they forgave me someday or that I could find my way out of it. Or I could, um, I could remove myself from this planet and remove myself from their lives. And um, sure, they would deal with the trauma of losing me and the abuse would end. I just wanna take a pause here and recognize that um, when I say that I was verbally and emotionally abusing my children, please know my children also knew that they were very loved. It wasn't 100% like that, um, but it was enough like that that I was not okay with it. My kids were seeing me in ways that I was not comfortable with and they were hearing things come out of my mouth that I was not comfortable with. Um, they did very much know they were loved though and, and that I was trying. Um, so anywho, I, I, I made the choice to remove myself from this planet. I was very comfortable with that choice and I was moments away from making that happen when really nothing short of um, divine intervention, a voice very much outside of myself, um, yet very much inside myself, I know now. Uh, really just kind of started questioning me things like who was I without um, pharmaceuticals when was the last time I had been um, you know pharmaceutical free who was that person what was my brain like without all of these things that were impacting me um, and I owed it to my kids to find out that person had to be better than the person that was sitting there because that was the person that our creator made you know um, at this point, I was, my kids were in Christian school. I, I, we were, we, we were, I would be what people consider Christian at that point. And, you know, so my mind was like, okay, God doesn't make mistakes. Let me get rid of like all of the stuff that man has shoved down my throat and see what I have left. And that was the message that I received that I would quit everything that I was on. Um, and that I would find a natural way to manage the dis-ease I was feeling and that my purpose on this planet was to then share that with other people who were struggling. So I took that very literal and I quit everything I was on completely cold turkey, um, which I do not recommend anybody doing. Um, as you can imagine, things got far worse for me before they got better. Um, but I was on this path by myself. I was, I was kind of on my own. And so I began the journey of natural healing and that began with um, mindful self-compassion because I needed to find the grace for myself to um, be able to find forgiveness, to move forward and even um, have that drive to wanna try, right? Because I was very much um, drenched in guilt and shame um, for so many things at that point. And, and so I began with mindful self-compassion and that also taught me how to breathe correctly. And that makes a big difference, it turns out. 
Um, I learned things like EFT tapping and um, I was doing a program called NeuroCore, which was like um, brain training for ADHD. It's like biofeedback um, for the brain. And still was searching uh, finally. And uh, so all of this happened in April of 2016. And, and at that point, um, my journey began in April 2016. And at that point, I gave myself one year to try to find my way out. And so in August of that year, I found a 12-week nutrition program, which also included a personal trainer once a week um, for the 12 weeks. About two, two and a half weeks into that program, I wanted to live for the first time and I don't know how long. And I was so amazed that I could feel that way. And then I was so pissed off that nobody ever stopped to ask me what I was eating. And so I, once I realized the massive shift that what we put in and on our body can make, um, I finished out the program and that's where I joined the Institute of Transformational Nutrition, which was a year long program to learn um, to become certified in transformational nutrition. And that really dives into not only the science of nutrition, but the psychology and the spirituality of nutrition, because the reality of it is, is we all know what to eat to be healthy. It's just, why aren't we doing it? That's what that's, that's the magic ticket to get to right there. Um, although nutrition made a huge impact on how I felt. And I finally wanted to live for myself, not only my children and my family. I had this drive, the cloud of depression was still very much there. And I very much knew that this was not the thing I was looking for. And all I, I don't know how to describe it other than saying, I knew there was a thing I was looking for. There was something I was looking for. So November of that year, um, a friend of mine, um, had an experience with DMT and asked me to do some research for her. And that's the first time I had ever even heard of DMT. Um, in my research, I came across the word ayahuasca. And the second I read the word ayahuasca, I knew that's exactly what I was looking for. I had an entire body response and I knew that was it. Um, I didn't know at this point, I didn't know there were retreat centers. I didn't know that how you ingested it. I didn't know any of it. I just knew that that was what, that's what I needed. So I utilized the um, beautiful hyper-focused symptom of ADHD that I am blessed with. And I spent the next few months hyper-focusing um, four, to, four to six hours, four to eight hours a day on different um, podcasts, webinars, the studies that were being done, um, any books I could get my hands on, documentaries. I started vetting different centers in South America and people who had been to those centers. And finally I found a center, um, Eagle Condor Alliance in Medellin, Colombia, <coughs> excuse me, where um, I knew that I would be safe. And I was very comfortable with their process. And I found my South on my first Yahe retreat in April of 2017, which was exactly one year after um, I, I had made the decision to give myself a year to try to find my out, way out. So for me, in my mind, this very much was this works or, or I'm checking out, right? Um, because although I was making improvements and I, although I did feel better, that rage was still there, far less, but it was still there. Um, and it was, it was still impacting the way that I was showing up for my children. And um, so, yeah, I went on this retreat. It was a 10-day retreat. We had three ceremonies of Yahe, which is Colombian ayahuasca, and two ceremonies of Wachuma, which is a masculine-based cactus. 
And honestly, you know, although I did have some very profound um, moments in my ceremony and some things that I definitely couldn't necessarily explain, I, I didn't get on the airplane with the mindset of like, oh, wow, this changed me. And this was exactly what, you know, I needed. In fact, I was on the plane on the way home and I can remember thinking to myself, the shit better have worked or my husband's going to kill me because we really didn't have the money to, for me to be investing in that. And so um, it, it really didn't take me long to recognize, though, of being home that that things had changed, that the the rage was was very much cooled, and that the cloud of depression was very much dissipated. And I can honestly say that that cloud for me has never been back. Um, my work with these medicines has continued. Um, so would would the cloud have come back if I didn't continue the work? I don't know, but I do know that I much prefer to continue my work. Um, with these substances on a periodic occasion versus taking a daily um, pharmaceutical that is ultimately meant to um, blunt my emotional experience and just allow me to move through. So I did continue, continue my work. 2018, I went to Peru for 10 days and um, did, excuse me, 14 days and did another seven ceremonies. This is where I realized and was shown that um, people in the U.S. need support right now. We don't have time to wait for legalities. Not everybody has the desire to work with Yahe and ayahuasca or to, or the ability to jump on an airplane and fly to another country where it's legal to do so. So in, in, in this retreat, there was a ceremony where I was shown that psilocybin is a very safe, it's very effective, it's very simple for people to um, obtain um, on their own, um, and it works, it's very effective, and even science is now finally catching on board. In 2018, when I came home and started telling people this, they thought I was nuts, and I kept telling them five years. You give it five years and science will be catching up, because I was already seeing the studies, right? So the next year, 2018 and 2019, I dove into my own personal work with psilocybin. 2020, I found my way back to Eagle Condor for another Yahe journey. In 2021, I was at Eagle Condor three different times for three different retreats, um, 10 days each working with Yahe, Wachuma, and also Peyote. Um, so this is very much part of, part of who I am. It's my work personally. It's my work with my clients and, and these, these substances are beautiful tools in so many different ways, right? Um, and, and the reality of it is, is there are people hurting right now on this planet. There are people ready to expand on this planet right now. And we don't really have time to wait for legalities. And we do know that people are utilizing these things legal or not. So part of what I do is offer a safe supported space and system and process to follow to be able to optimize the experience for people who are already utilizing these substances or are going to utilize these substances with or without support. So it's really, um, you know, people ask me, like, how can you do this, you know, as, as far as being legalities? The, the fact of the matter is, is I'm not breaking any laws. I do not provide any illegal substances. What I do provide is a safe process and a safe space and support for people who are utilizing these substances. And so, yeah, I, I work with people microdosing. I, I have a 12 week microdosing mastermind. I work with people who are choosing to do, um, you know, mini dosing and, and macro dosing for, um, for some deeper experiences. And I offer retreats. So I work with people in a lot of different ways, but the process is always the same. It's, you know, we begin with with an intake, right? And that's like people intake information 
Um, we do an intake form to take a look at the medical history and trauma timeline to make sure what we're doing is safe. We then take a look at intentions. You know, why are why why does one want to work with these substances? Um, how how will you know if it's successful, right? What, you know, what is the intention of moving forward with these things? We move into the in space portion, and this is where somebody is working with the um, mycelium teachers or our power plants, right? And, and then we move into integration. And this is a piece that so many people are missing. And this is the part where we say, okay, this was my intention. This is the wisdom I received. Now, what, how am I gonna create, you know, how am I gonna create my life moving forward? Where am I gonna create the habits and patterns and rituals that support me? And where am I gonna eradicate the things that aren't supporting my process, you know? So that's a little bit about, it's a lot of it. Thank you for holding that space. It's a lot of bit about my story, how I found my way here and then how I'm also supporting people. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to share that. Absolutely. No, I, it's amazing. You have an amazing story. I think that it's very relatable to a lot of women and specifically mothers who, you know, will be tuning into this episode. I think as moms, you know, we all, we have something that we struggle with pertaining to our own motherhood and, and us parenting our children, you know, and it, it, it has a direct um, reflection and connection to our childhood and our upbringing, right? And a lot of times we just don't have that awareness. We have just no idea that, hey, the reason why we're angry or the reason why we're feeling depressed or the reason why we're having these emotional issues or behavioral issues or substance abuse issues or whatever it might be is because we have unresolved things within us that have not been addressed and have not, maybe we went to counseling, but like you said, most of counseling, you know, those of you who are listening, if you've ever been to a counselor, you could probably relate that. That just doesn't, it doesn't heal what's within you. Having someone just listen to you sit there and, and speak about it or complain about it or whatever it is, you know, that's, that's not getting to the root of what's going on. So I think that so many women can relate. Um, I agree with you that in what you said that, you know, we, we don't have time. How long is it going to take for, yeah, there's been cities across the U.S., maybe a handful of them who are decriminalizing psilocybin, but we don't have time to just, okay, well, let's just wait for more cities and let's, let's wait for maybe, hopefully it moves along as fast as, or faster than, than cannabis did because of what's happening with cannabis or, I agree with that. I agree that um, there's way too many women who are, number one, taking their lives, you know, like, thank God you did not right? And maybe, maybe we can stop some women who might hear this, you know, and, and, and hear that there are other options. Um, there's way, way too many people across the board, though, not just women, not just mothers, but way too many across the, the board, um, you know, taking their life. Um, I get emotional <laughs> talking about that subject because I've had um, not direct family members, but I've had, I've had loved ones of family members who have uh, taken their life and, um, Hold on just a second. <laughs> I didn't know. Let's start right talking about this. But you know, me personally, I I was raised by a mom who uh, she abused the wrong kind of substances, and, and she was just searching for that healing her whole life. You know, and uh, I wish I wish that this information was here to uh, to have been presented to her because she she passed when I was seventeen from complications from her her whole life she had me when I when she was 38 so she already had a whole life of you know partying and and doing drugs and alcohol and just having living that whole life all up until that point and then and then the pharmaceuticals came in and she got addicted to all that so just all of it mixed together came into just a horrible you know end for her right but I look back and I'm like 
if she would have had this information where she could be here seeing her grandchildren you know what i mean she could be here experiencing life with me so so i feel like it's part of my mission to to bring an awareness to those who need it so that we can prevent this we can prevent people from taking their own lives we can prevent people from losing their their wives their husbands their brothers their sisters their best friends by simply embracing nature something that's so beautiful so natural to the earth and it's been put here to for us to have a relationship with it and it's so stupid so ridiculous right that that it's been demonized that it's been put in this this um this box and i'm sure there's there's many different theories I've got my own, I won't go into it on, on this specific episode on like why I believe that it's been um, criminalized and why it's been made illegal. You know, there's, there's lots of different theories and lots of different truth behind that, right? We each probably have our own, but it's just ridiculous, right? Uh, mushrooms are growing outside right now, <laughs> wherever you're at, they're probably growing somewhere near, near you, right? And the fact that it's illegal to take it, it's illegal to, to use it, it's a natural thing that can totally revolutionize and transform, help you to transform your life, right? Because the the substances in and of themselves are not going to change you, but they're going to take you to that place and lead you to that place within yourself to where you can do the healing that's necessary, right? That's my little rant on, on giving you some feedback on, on you sharing your story. But um, so what, what, are, what are some of the most common issues and, and benefits? Like who, of the people that come to you, what are some of the things that they struggle with that you see the most? And what are some of the benefits that you've seen? Are there any specific, you don't have to say names of course, but are there any specific cases that you've seen maybe recently where people have experienced transformation or maybe people have experienced things similar to what you've experienced? Yeah, definitely. I've had some clients with some pretty massive transformations and you know the, the amount of transformation that one gets really is dependent on on a few things, of course, you know, somebody going into it with the right intentions. Um, when I say right, that's relative term, you know, with with intentions that are in their best interest. And uh, are they, you know, what kind of integration support are they doing? Uh, I have certainly had clients who have come to me and, you know, come to find in the back of their mind, they feel that these substances are gonna do the work for them and that's not the case, right? So it's important to point out the people that are having transformation are the people that are showing up for themselves and showing up for the substances, with the substances. The substance opens the door, the person needs to walk through and do the work, right? So those people that are doing the work and are recognizing recognizing the process. Some of the biggest transformations I've seen, um, you know, one in particular is I had a client who, who came to me for one particular reason. She knew she, and, and she knew that she had an issue with alcohol, but that was not the reason she came to me. And she made very clear that's not what she was looking to make changes in. Um, not only has this beautiful soul made massive shifts in um, really aligning with her authenticity and creating and maintaining boundaries in her life, uh, which, which was what she ultimately came to me for and recognizing her self-worth. She's really sitting in that, but she's also quit drinking and not from a place of being angry with herself about alcohol, but just recognizing that sure alcohol served its purpose in her life. And it doesn't anymore. And it's time to move on from that. So that was a big shift. 
some of the other massive shifts are, um, you know, really, you know, this one's kind of goes around the board with, with most people being more present in life. I've got moms who are coming to me and saying, I am actually enjoying the time I'm spending with my children, right? And I mean, like to some people that's like, well, gosh, you mean you don't enjoy the time with your kids? No, let's be realistic. Sometimes as parents, we're not fucking enjoying the time that we're spending with our kids because we're too busy thinking about the past. We're too busy thinking about the future. We're too busy thinking about all the mistakes we've made and we've not grounded in that present moment to be able to enjoy that time with our child. So these substances really help people ground in the present moment. It's not just enjoying time with just our children, it's people in general. It's enjoying nature, it's enjoying time with ourselves. Um, I've had clients who suffered from um, you know, seasonal affective disorder who went through the winter without needing the pharmaceuticals because the microdosing was supporting. That was pretty phenomenal. Um, this, this person also um, was dealing with some, um, some Lyme symptoms that were, were eased a bit with microdosing and other things that she was doing. Um, I have, I have, oh, let's see what other transformations. People have more focus, um, more flow in life. Uh, I have a woman who chose to leave an abusive relationship. So it's like, you know, when we recognize that things are out of alignment in our life, these things, and this can be a pro or a con, depending on how you look on it, right? But these things make it pretty difficult for us to just like turn our head to the things that we don't enjoy or that we aren't in alignment with anymore. So if somebody is in a relationship that they're not in alignment with, maybe more difficult to be able to, to, to endure that relationship. Or if you're in a job that you hate, it, you know, you, you may be less likely to put up with that job, which can be good because then we're moving into alignment and it cannot be good because sometimes people can make decisions like I'm going to, I'm going to um, leave this job without like creating a plan on how to do that while maintaining financial safety. Right. So yeah, there's um, migraines. They had a, a couple of people who suffered from migraines and they reported fewer and less intense migraines over the course of the, the 12 week protocol. Um, yeah, it was really just, there's so many different benefits and transformations that can come out of this. I definitely have clients who have come off from their antidepressant medications or are working on coming off from their antidepressant medications and other clients who have been able to avoid getting on, on antidepressants, you know? And, um, you know, there's, there's nothing wrong with antidepressants and they can be supportive, but when we look at how antidepressants work on the 5-HT1A receptor versus how psychedelics work on the 5-HT2A receptors and, and and, you know, there's a little bit of a difference. One of those, the, the 1A receptor, you know, when that's stimulated by an SSRI, that's creating like the ability for us to like grin and bear it and to endure things, you know, which is great, right? It's like this like resiliency, I guess, like just push through and it blunts the emotional impact that things that we don't enjoy have, which can be beneficial in some cases. But how the psychedelics work on the, on the 2A receptor um, that's where we're like getting some adaptability and we're able to look at things from different perspectives. And so now it's like, rather than just grinning and bearing it, we're able to take a look at our situation and say, what can I change to get in a little bit more alignment with who I am and to create a life that I'm happy with rather than one that I need to blunt my emotions from. So 
yeah, that's just a, you know, a little bit, a little bit about some of the transformations that my clients are seeing. And then of course, there are definitely people who are coming to me for, um, you know, like creative optim optimization and, and, and spiritual expansion is a big one. A lot of people just really ex spiritually expanding at this time um, on this planet. A lot of people, um, you know, really, really choosing to dive deep within themselves and just to kind of tap a little bit on something you were talking about how, you know, we do this work and it's, you know, we're holding, we're holding trauma from, from, from our, you know, our parents and, and then their parents and their parents. And so it's like, we hold this generational, this ancestral trauma and these patterns and these cycles. And, you know, one thing really cool that I've learned along the way that some indigenous cultures believe is that, you know, this, this work goes so much deeper than us healing ourselves. Some cultures believe that um, when we do this work, being there's no time and space when you, when you factor in quantum physics and all that, um, we're impacting seven generations before us and we're impacting seven generations after us. So when we do this work, we're ultimately impacting 14 generations of our ancestral line or our you know future generations so so this work goes so much deeper than like okay let me heal the stuff i've been through in this life it's let me heal the stuff that's embedded in my dna and because there's no time and space and 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 the past is happening right now as i'm doing this work i'm also healing the past and easing that generational um, the trauma, trauma trauma line right and then I'm also creating a little bit of a better life for the future generations for us and creating different ways, not only with the way that we move forward and, and, and love and nurture our own children, um, but really deeply on a, on a DNA level, you know, so the work is super important when somebody is called to it. I love that you brought that up because you know, I've been learning some things about I've been learning, learning a lot of things actually about like indigenous cultures and just how how normalized it is to, to use these medicines but what you said and, and how I've made sense of it in my own brain is basically like as we're living and as we're experiencing life it's almost as if we have like a thumb drive and we're, we're collecting all of our experiences bad and good on the thumb drive right and then as we pass over we, we like take that thumb drive and it's and a lot of people there's theories and I don't really know if it's actually been in air quotes proven right but it, that that thumb drive is our DNA and, and those traumas and those life experiences get stored in the DNA and passed over to our offspring, right? So like you said, if you want to, for those of you with analytical minds, if you want to picture it that way, it's literally seven generations before you, everything that happened to your, your mother, your, her mother, her mother, her mother, all the way back, right? All of it was stored and was passed forward to you. And if, if nobody's done the healing prior to you, if you're the first one stepping up and saying, I'm going to stop this, this um, pattern of, of whatever habitual, terrible thing, you know, or, or terrible is relative, right? But th this unhealthy thing that's not serving me, right? If, if we don't take the step to do that, then guess what? We just pass it forward and it just keeps going for however, who knows how long, right? So that's super powerful that literally you're, you're affecting yourself, right? You're, you're, you're doing the work to, to heal yourself, but then you're also healing those generations. And then also you're feeling a part of the collective consciousness as well, because we are all connected, you know, we're all one, we're, we're individualized, but we're also a part of the collective. So we're bringing this, this, this knowledge, healing and awareness to, to the rest of the world as well. So it's huge. It's very impactful on so many levels. 
Um, and we can just segue straight into, you know, the, the whole subject. I know I had seen a post of yours, I think it was like a few days ago, right? Talking about how it's so stigmatized as a mom to want to look into this. And I think it probably deters a lot of mothers, you know, because they think, oh, that's drugs or I'm not a drug user. I don't do drugs. So I'm not going to think about doing mushrooms, you know, when they hear of people doing mushrooms. And I know that was one of the things for me, one of the reasons why I, I, in the past, I didn't want to even just consider it was because I grew up, like I said, with my mom abusing actual drugs, you know, she was on methamphetamines and my dad was a heroin addict and, and just my whole idea of, I, I am not going to go down the same path that my parents did. So I'm not even going to open my mind to think of taking this other substance that people categorize as drugs or as dangerous as drugs, right? So what's, what's your viewpoint for those, those mothers and women out there that might be curious, but they've just been, you know, holding themselves back from looking into it. And, and you can share your thoughts on, you know, this not being a schedule one substance and, and what, it, how do we, how do we stop the whole stigmatization and demonization of using these substances and being parents in your opinion? Yeah. So, um, few different things on that. We'll see where, we're, we'll see where my thoughts go. Um, your, your last question, how do we break the stigma? So that's, that's pretty simple. We take a look at the constructs that we're holding, right? Who told us these were dangerous? Why did they tell us that they were dangerous? What dangers did they tell us they held? What benefits did they have by telling us that, right? Once we start looking at why these are scheduled one drugs and, um, and then we start looking at the, the actual data that is now there, some of us didn't need the data, but there is science there now supporting it. We see that there's, there's some incongruencies here, right? Because they're telling us these things are scheduled one, that means no medicinal purpose and high likelihood of abuse, right? But we know that to be quite the opposite, in particular with psilocybin. We know psilocybin does not have a high likelihood of abuse. We know psilocybin is not addictive. And we know psilocybin most certainly has medicinal uses. But the problem is, is that until recently, they've not synthesized psilocybin. And when you don't synthesize nature, you can't patent nature. And when you can't patent nature, you can't make billions of dollars on nature. So in the 60s and 60s, you know, when this was really like, because um, there was so much science being done early on. We knew, we knew back in the 50s that this was working for depression and alcoholism, among many other things, LSD in particular. And, and, and then they also knew that it was creating um, this like rebellion, right? And this was also a point in time where pharmaceuticals are really starting to push. So when you start putting all of the things together, um, it makes sense as to why they're scheduled one drug. So for somebody who is saying, I'm not going to do this because it's illegal, Listen, are you going to let somebody who, who I, let me rephrase that, I guess. How much power are we going to give to other people to tell us how we can and cannot heal our body? If we have the data and we've done all of the research and we're very comfortable with the substance that we're utilizing, right? I invite people to not allow anybody sitting behind a desk to tell you that you cannot utilize that. Right, I will invite you to do that safely. And when I say safely, that means safe in your legality, safe in your body, safe in your finances, safe all the way around. These substances are not illegal everywhere. So perhaps finding a place where, where you can go depending on what you're, you're doing, right? There's safe ways to go about this if it makes you feel more comfortable. That, that was you know, part, of, part of the reason 
why I went to Colombia to utilize yaje. With that being said, I couldn't find yaje or ayahuasca in the States the way that I wanted to do it. For me, I began utilizing LSD at, at the age of like 14, 15 years old and at 14. And in hindsight, I, I, looking back to that very first experience, number one, I knew these psychedelics were going to be a massive part of my life. And number two, I knew then the, that there, there was something to that as far as what it was doing to our brain. However, what I allowed was the indoctrination of people telling me that utilizing LSD was making my brain bleed and that utilizing the substance was doing all these bad things. So I allowed people to make me feel guilty for utilizing something that I knew was working for me. At that point, at that young of an age, without recognizing, I was microdosing and going to school because I was doing much better in school by microdose. If I took a quarter hit of acid and went to school, it was amazing how much more engaged I was, right? Did I know what I was doing in that moment? No, in hindsight, I knew exactly what I was doing, right? And it makes perfect sense. But I allowed what other people thought about this substance to outweigh what my experience with this substance is. And that's where we go wrong. We take somebody's concept of something and we let it outweigh the experience, right? Um, so for me, I, I, it wasn't a big deal for me to step out of, uh, doing something illegal. I've never been somebody who's let really anybody tell me what I can and can't do. Um, in, in many ways, I've certainly done many illegal substances. Cannabis is another ally of mine, um, long before it was legalized in my state. So I, I'm, I'm, I'm not one who sits in the legal, um, illegal aspect of it, especially if it's something that's benefiting me. What I do is I ask myself, you know, what my intentions are. Am I being safe? Are the people around me safe? You know, there's, there's utilizing things with, um, with awareness and with mindfulness, and then there's utilizing things irresponsibly, right? So I guess I would invite mothers who are contemplating this and hung up on the legalities to really sit with um, what is your idea of a substance, right? If, if you're debating whether or not taking a microdose capsule of psilocybin or even doing a macro dose of psilocybin is right for you, but you're being held up on the fact that it's an illegal substance. I ask you to compare that to a substance such as like Adderall, which is like one molecule away from methamphetamine that we prescribe to children as young as four. I can assure you out of all of the substances that I've done legal and illegal, Adderall has done the biggest number on my mind, on my body, on my soul, on my spirit in ways that are not reversible. Right. I can I can move past them, but they are not reversible to the to some of the physical things that that did to my body. Right. But we don't think twice about taking a substance that somebody in a white coat hands us because we're trusting that they have our best interest in mind. Right. And that's a whole nother episode, whole nother rabbit hole. But that's not always the case when it comes to Western medicine, unfortunately. And although we do have great doctors and doctors do do. Um, I do believe most doctors are doing the best that they can. They're only as good as the education they've received. And I can assure you that when doctors are only receiving one to six weeks of nutrition support, and they're not learning anything about the beautiful herbs and supplements and, and natural tools that are on our planet, there's a, there's a big disconnect here, right? Because Western medicine is very new. And when you look at the big picture of, of humanity, some of these substances have been being used for thousands of years not just with adults, gasp. People give these things to their children in some cultures too. 
and I've watched it. I've been a part of it. I've witnessed these children who have their mothers have ingested Wachuma during pregnancy. And I've watched these children grow into five, six, seven-year-olds who are like the happiest kids I've ever seen. Right. So like we have these stigmas in our country and, and we are indoctrinated to believe that the way that we do things is the only way to do things and that it's the right way to do things. But the reality is it's a pretty new way to do things. And we really don't know really the, the, the good and the bad of it, the positive and negative, where is it serving us? Where is it not serving us? And then even more scary, there are some areas that we do know how it is not serving us and we still move forward full on, right? For example, giving our four-year-old Adderall when there are safe substances on this planet that could be utilized a little bit differently with a lot less implications to their to their bodies, in my personal opinion. But yeah, that's a that's a um a whole a whole topic, as you know. So it's it's you know, there's a stigma of being being a mom who wants to utilize these substances for ourselves in our own healing. And then, you know, I have clients who are desiring and do utilize these substances for their, for their, their, their young people's healing as well in place of, of pharmaceuticals. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not in a position, you know, where I have to make that choice with my children and I'm grateful for that. And I certainly don't provide substances to anybody, let alone children. However, uh, that is a space I'm fully comfortable in supporting, especially when we have physicians and, and therapists and counselors on board with us to do so, which thankfully more and more of them are doing. I love that. No, that's awesome. And, and I think you did a great explanation of, you know, we, we have been taught and indoctrinated not to ask questions, especially not to ask questions to authoritative figures like professional medical doctors, people who are in the government, people who are our teachers, people who are just quote unquote above us, right? Magically, uh, mystically above us, you know, better, smarter, all these things. We're just taught not to question that. So that's a great point that you made that, you know, have you ever considered why it might be illegal? And is that actually true? And that, that, that's just a, that is just a powerful question to ask yourself around the board in so many different areas of life. You know what I mean? When you're, when you're really looking to change and transform <clears throat> and what you're doing isn't working, it's time to ask yourself, you know, why are you continuing to do what is working and who told you to do what you're currently doing or thinking or, or the way that you're being, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. and, and then start asking those questions, you know, because when you ask better questions, you're led, you will be led not only to the answers, but you'll be led to, to better life experiences through <clears throat> a mentor of mine had always said to me that, you know, your life is based on the, the quality of the questions that you're asking in your life and about your life, <clears throat> excuse me, and about yourself. If you're, if you're asking the right questions, you're going to get led on the path that you're supposed to be on. Mm, I love that. Yeah. So you had mentioned, um, you know, postpartum depression and, and it, there's tons of articles out there that they're, they're now discovering, right? Which has been, like you said, thousands of years, other cultures <laughs> other than America has known this already. It's, it helps with mental health, helps with so many different things, eating disorders, you know what I mean? Post-traumatic stress disorder. I know I've seen tons of stories and testimonials from, you know, soldiers who have come back and they're just, there's so many of them. They're so weighed down with what they went through that, you know, they're, they're having one, maybe just one experience with whether it's psilocybin or, or something else 
that it completely revolutionizes their life and no longer do they want to, to take their life. You know what I mean? So there's so many different apps. And like you said, the creativity, um, that's been a big one for me. It, it's helped me to tap into to my, my natural creative mind and, and, and come up with ideas that I know I would have, wouldn't have been able to come up with if I ha hadn't been utilizing the substance, you know what I mean? So that's been a super um, amazing benefit um, as well. What do, you, what do you think, and maybe you know a little bit more of the scientific jargon in regards to like how it, how, what it does in the brain. I've come up with this theory that, you know, no matter what it is you wanna change. So if you, if we have people listening that probably, maybe you wanna lose weight, maybe you want a better marriage, maybe you want to just be a more patient parent. Maybe you want to stop some kind of a bad, bad habit, or you just want, you wanna transform your life in some area. Yeah, I utilizing and specifically about microdosing, right? How is microdosing going to help them uh, change? Because my, my whole theory, I'll, and then I'll let I'll turn it over to you. My whole theory is that it helps you learn faster and it helps you change faster because of the way that it affects the brain. And, and whether that's it helps you to create the new neurons faster or sever the old ones that are that are you know not helping you. I, I don't really know how to explain in my own terms, but for me, I know that's been a benefit is I feel like I, I'm learning so much faster. I'm able to let go of what's not serving me so much faster. I'm able to, to let go of, of false belief systems from the past that took me years of just like not letting go of. I've just been able to just let it go and, and move and change. And I feel like there's so much of a benefit to those who want to experience transformation. Yeah, definitely. I can definitely touch on what it's doing to the brain. I mean, by all means, I'm not like a, um, like scientists, guru or anything like that but so the, the first way that we can talk about is um, how it impacts the default mode network so our default mode network is is a part of our brain that's really important for a lot of different things right super important for um like our brain communicating it's a part of our brain that we utilize for thinking about the past for daydreaming um, it's a very overactive part of the brain and research shows that overactive default mode network um, is correlated with depression, right? Like I said, thinking about the past, thinking about the future, daydreaming, overactive, right? Um, part of what these substances do is they come in and they quiet the default mode network. So while quieting the default mode network, they're also increasing the neural crosstalk. So the part of our brain that, to put it simply, the part of our brain that doesn't normally shut up is quiet and parts of our brain that are not normally communicating are like, hey, what's up? So now we can take a look at situations and we, this is where we get different thoughts, different perspectives, different insights. Well, when we're viewing things from a different perspective and having different insights, we're able to come up with different solutions, right? So, so that's part of it. Um, and then we wanna take a look at, um, we want to take a look at psychedelics and how they impact serotonin. So serotonin is, is one of the most crucial um, neurotransmitters in the brain. That's like our mood, our memory, learning, um, it's like healthy sleep. It supports our social behaviors and, and like so many other things. So to put it in perspective, out of the roughly 40 million cells in our brain, the majority of those are either directly or indirectly impacted by serotonin. So it's really important. So we know that LSD and psilocybin share a really similar molecular structure to serotonin and they work on some of the same pathways. So 
these substances in particular stimulate, as I mentioned before, um, the, the serotonin 5-HT2A receptor. This is a, an important receptor that's it's concentrated mostly in the prefrontal cortex. We do know that there's some in like the digestive system and throughout the body too, but it's, it's mostly in that prefrontal cortex. And that's the area of our brain that's used for like plan, planning, um, co cognitive behavior, uh, personality expression, decision making. That's where we are like processing information from other parts of the brain, right? So, so we know we know a few things happen when that that receptor is stimulated. Number one, um, it produces um, there's a production of something called BDNF or brain derived neurotropic factor, and this is like if you think of it like miracle growth for the brain. So we're ultimately repairing and rebuilding new, like neural pathways and, and things like that. Um, and then we also have an increase in a trans um, and transmission of, of a substance called a neurotransmitter called glutamate. And that's responsible for brain functions like cognition and learning and memory. So we don't know exactly the relationship between BDNF and glutamate, but we do know that um, when there are more of both of them, through with people like microdosing or dosing in general, it leads to less mental and physical or like less dis-ease, right? So just to kind of recap how that's a little bit different than say an SSRI, the SSRIs again work on that 5-HT1A receptor, which is like a booster of resilience, fluency emotions, helps us tolerate, grin and bear it where that 5 5-HT2A is a, like a, a booster of adaptability. It's like our ability to learn and unlearn things. So this is where like, I love supporting people who are trying to like change um, like their nutrition plans or, or create or eradicate ha habits. It's a beautiful thing to do in the microdosing space because we're impacting that receptor that's making it a little bit easier for us to both learn and unlearn things that we've done over the years. And so this actually decreases um, the symptoms of depression and it increases like overall well-being rather than like just emotionally blunting it. You know what I mean? So that's those are those are the the main ways that dosing really on any level um, is impacting us on the brain level. And then, of course, on the other side of that coin is very much the mysticism piece. And and, you know, there's there's you know, whole nother episode on, on that aspect of it. But for me, when I dove into this work, I, I was not, um, I was, I was woo, what I would call woo resistant on the, on the woo woo spectrum. Um, <laughs> I very much went into this looking at the science of, of the studies that were being done, things like that, and what it was doing, what it was going to do to my brain, um, and how it was going to support me on more of like a physical level. And the, the spiritual and the mysticism aspect was, um, of course, something that just kind of comes afterwards, <laughs> but huge, massive piece of that. But yeah, so hopefully that answers the question a little bit. Of course, there's, um, I'm sure there's people that can go deeper into that. But in a nutshell, um, we're impacting the default mode network and, and, and we're, we're, we're working along the serotonin pathways, which um, make us feel better, right? <laughs> no, thank you. Yes, on the next episode, we'll be speaking about how psilocybin is the actual red pill. No. <laughs> <laughs> It, it really is like once you start using these substances, you start to see reality in a way that you've never seen it before. And, and in a way that you could never even imagine, like beyond anything you can imagine, you, you 
become aware of things and you become a reality, you become aware of reality in such a way where, you know, in my, this is like just my experience and my opinion. And I don't know how you feel about it. You can let me know how you feel about it. But I feel like once someone starts using these and utilizing these substances, they're somebody who's not going to be able to be controlled or be able to be, you know, brainwashed and, and mind altered and, and just like a, a sheep, you know, to, for lack of a better term for it. You know what I mean? Like you're, you're, we're creating uh, sovereignty within ourselves, spiritually, mentally, uh, physically, everything to where, you know, the structures that have been put in place in our society and in our world, they're no longer going to be able to control those of us who are, and that's probably one of the reasons, you know, why it was put and, and they're afraid of it and they don't want people to be sovereign and, and independent and they don't want us bucking the system. They don't want people who are resisting um, big agendas, you know? So, which is a whole, there's, I think we've tapped into like five different potential episodes for the, for the future on this. But, um, but yeah, so overall, I mean, it's beautiful um life-changing as you've, you've heard here and um and anything else that you would summarize and, and then I'll I'll go ahead and let you l- let the people know you know where can they find you where can they learn more about what it is that you do how to work with you potentially and, and just how to learn more about your specific work yeah so I guess in summary I just invite people to you know just sit in your sovereignty and and recognize that you are the best advocate for both your healing, your wellness, your optimization, your spiritual growth. And if something is calling you, um, explore that, you know, explore that. As far as how people can find me and what I'm up to, um, I do have, I'm not sure when this episode will air, but I do have a 12 week a microdosing mastermind my next group is starting april 24th we're really going to dive into um, aligning with our authenticity aligning and nurturing our energetic body our chakras in particular diving into some nutritional um, support um, as well as of course working with the mycelium teachers i also offer um, personal one-on-one experiences both here in michigan i also meet my clients where they're at I have different retreats and people can kind of keep up with what I'm offering in my Facebook group, which is self-love, self-care and psychedelics. And then I also have a webpage, um, theemergingsoul.com. And soon we'll be launching my own podcast called The Psychedelic Mama and more information will be coming on that. Ooh, I cannot wait. I can't wait to, to hop on and talk about some more stuff. <laughs> yes. Yes, I'm looking forward to that, my friend. Well, this has been amazing. Thank you for taking the time to share your story with everyone. Thank you for for just opening the eyes of those listeners who have been curious about these things and um, keep keep doing the work that you're doing. I'm going to be there supporting you, rooting you on all the way. And I can't wait to see, you know, what the rest of the year has in store for you and for your clients and just for all of your growth. Likewise, my friend, thank you so much for the opportunity and thank you everybody for holding space for my personal journey and uh, much love to you all. Yep, we'll see you in the next episode.